We are happy to be together, and as we look around, we do see faces that we haven't seen for a while, and we welcome you, welcome you back. And uh, those of you that are still viewing, we say to you, may God bless you. We hope to be together once again, and uh, please, at your own pace, and you're, as you feel comfortable, you come back and join us. There are guests here today, and we welcome each one of you, and families that are together, we're happy that you can be together today. Last year at this time, we were not able to be together, and uh, this Sunday, we come together and we share another palmless Sunday. Now, we usually pass out palms, and palms are not available this year, and uh, partially due to the restrictions of handling things and passing things out. But you, I can tell already, are uh, ready for the occasion that you are celebrating this time together on Palm Sunday. We once again celebrate Palm Sunday, and as I said, without palm branches to give out as we usually do. For centuries, for centuries, the church has set this Sunday aside the first day of the Holy Week is Palm Sunday because palm branches and cloaks were put in the pathway as Jesus came into the city, spread out before him as he entered Jerusalem. I can recall a time, and some of you that are sitting here can recall a time that we were in Guatemala on Holy Week, and we were in the city of Antigua, and there was great celebration there. It was jam-packed. And the streets were lined and they were coated with flower arrangements. And that was in celebration and preparing for the coming of Jesus Christ, looking back at this particular time in the scripture. And as we are going to do right now and this morning, I want us to look in our Bibles at the text that is found in Matthew, the second, uh, Matthew, the 21st chapter. And we will look at verses 1 through 11, which tell the story of the event of the day. Today, the day that we come together as Christians and we commemorate what Jesus Christ has done and what God had predicted and what was taking place. In that 21st chapter, as they approached Jerusalem and they came to Bethlehem on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her coat by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a coat, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and they did as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the coat and they placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowd that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and they asked, who is this? The crowd answered, 
This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. As we look and give consideration to this text today, the gospel writers tell us that the city was excited, that people had gathered together. People had been there on the side of the road in, in front of Jesus as he rode into that city step by step on the beast of burden. He rode and it was a sort of a carpet that was laid out in front of him and ahead of him. Perhaps, most likely, the fresh palm greens from the trees was strewed across the road. Those who wore clothing, they took them off the backs of the crowd. They put them on the street. Sort of a tapestry welcoming their king. Israel's long-awaited Messiah. According to the Pharisees, now I remind you that the Pharisees were a group of teachers that were among the Jews at the time of Jesus. And Jesus frequently rebuked the Pharisees. In the Gospels, we find that because of their uh, hypocrisy, Jesus said that they were like the blind that were leading the blind. He also called them and referred to them kind of as a white tomb, which appeared to be beautiful on the outside, but it was filled with dead man's bones. Well, the Pharisees very well knew what was going on. For them, the problem was not a lack of palms or having too many palms. The problem for them was not that the people were putting things down on the street. But the problem for them is that they knew exactly what was taking place. And Luke tells us that Jesus entered Jerusalem and the people began rejoicing. The people began praising. In the account in the book of Luke in the 19th chapter, in the 38th verse, Luke writes it as they were expressing, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to the highest. Some of the Pharisees there tried to get Jesus to stop these people from saying the phrases which they were shouting out. Jesus said, if they don't do it, the stones will cry out. They wanted the people to stop shouting and this whole thing of blessed is the king phrase, it was not going over very well with each one of them. You know, there's really um, a beauty in connecting with one another again. For those of you that are home today and not able to be here, we long to see you. For those who are coming for the first time, or maybe this is your second time, and we look around, we're happy to see you and to invite you into this place. I can recall the few years ago when Lil and I were making frequent trips to uh, the UK to see our children. We would land at Heathrow Airport in London, and we anticipated with great excitement to see our family. There we would see our son-in-law and our daughter. We would see our two grandchildren and our grand dog. And it was exciting to reconnect. As it is when we connect with our family members, there's just something about it. Whether they live an hour or two or three away from you or they're across the sea. There's just something about reconnecting. I know when I go to Bentonville to see my grandkids. Six of them are there. It's only two hours away or less. 
And whether we see them a day before or a week before, and sometimes it's a month, sometimes it's a year, it's still an exciting time. Because usually when loved ones reconnect, they're always glad to see each other. Now I say usually, that's not always true. However, the extent, the extent of our joy usually is in direct correlation to how long it's been since we've been together. As I said, whether it's a few hours, a day, or many days, or a year, or longer. The longer we wait for someone to arrive, typically the more excited we are to see them. We read newspaper articles, they're very common today, about people that perhaps are in nursing homes and for once, finally, they're getting to see their new grandchild that was born in the last year. Or a celebration is taken or families are reconnecting that they have not seen each other for quite some time. For me, as a pastor, it's been difficult to walk a well-worn path around a nursing home and to find the right window to see an individual and speak to them through a window. But reconnecting is, is, is just something that's exciting. And this was true here on this first Palm Sunday. To see Jesus as he rode into town on this burden of beast. And, or this beast of burden, and, um, which was a well-working and hard-working animal. And now Christ rides on the back. And it's party time. People are excited. There was jubilant atmosphere, somewhat like the wonderful song that we just experienced from the choir. People are excited. And the people that are there in Israel, and, and they're so excited about what's taken place. The people had waited a long time. They had waited a great deal of time for the promised Messiah. Matter of fact, it was since the time of Abraham, they had longed to see their promised king, the seed promised in the garden and confirmed to Abraham, the seed that would conquer their enemies and bless the nations as recorded in Genesis 22. The Pharisees, they understood all this. As I said, they well knew what was taking place. It wasn't what the event that was happening, but it was the phrases that were spoken by the people. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the kind of welcome that's reserved for Israel's savior. It's a phrase that's found in the Hebrew scriptures that the Pharisees knew very well. As you go back to Psalm 118, I'm sure that they had it memorized, a psalm that rejoices in the Lord's triumph. In that psalm, starting with verses 22 through 25, the scripture reads, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today, and let us be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Verse 22 of this psalm, the rejected stone has become the cornerstone. This is the marvelous work of the Lord, the psalmist said. What God is doing, he is launching the day of salvation. The psalmist continues to write, the day of salvation is long anticipated in the deliverance that Israel 
thought that might never come. The people are excited. The text goes on to say, save us. Save us. Pray, O Lord, O Lord, we pray, give us success. Understand that it's been for centuries that Israel has waited for the coming of their king. But the king did not look like what they expected. You see, kings would ride in on horses or be in some fancy chariot pulled by a horse. This king rode in on a donkey. Kings were usually decked out in all of the royal attire and apparel. This king wore the, cl the clothes of a humble peasant. Kings were surrounded by warriors. We see in the scripture that this king was surrounded by just a few friends. Kings had many servants. This king and Jesus Christ served many. Kings rule over the people. This king had ministered and continues to minister to people. Kings feasted. They had great banquets, plenty of food prepared for them. We know that this king multiplied a few fish and bread to feed others. Kings wore crowns of gold and precious gems. We find that this king wore a crown of thorns. Kings made loud proclamations and the people were silent. This king would stand silent as the people would yell, crucify him, crucify him. Kings were protected at all costs. This king will soon give his life, paying the cost for all of our sins. As we go into this week and the services that we have scheduled, we will learn more about this king. This king was unlike any other king, yet when this king rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, he was hailed by the people. The people expected a king that they hailed Jesus as their king. They expected the kingdom of David to be reestablished, but that's not what they got. It was what they wanted but it's not what they needed, that Jesus Christ was there to care for them. Jesus had not come to be king of the land, but he came to be king of their hearts. As he so desires today to be the king of our hearts, to be the king of our lives, whatever your situation is, whatever your burden is today, that Jesus Christ wants to be the king of your heart. Jesus Christ and God's plan was very different than what the people had hoped for. You see, their desire had been to have a ruler who would overcome the Roman oppression. We have been studying the book of Philippians, and we know a little bit about that oppression that was taking place in Philippi. They were looking for a king that would restore them to the dominion of their land and would give them rule over all of the surrounding nations. That's the king for whom they've been waiting. One day Jesus will come and he will be that king church. One day Israel will receive their full inheritance. But the day in which Jesus rode into Jerusalem was not that day. In our restoration process of going through the book of Philippians, we know that the Apostle Paul reminds us over and over again to rejoice in the Lord always. 
to rejoice, to give thanks to the Lord as it's written in Philippians, the fourth chapter and verse number four. We are told throughout the Bible that we need to praise God at all times, that we must give him glory. And Paul reminds us many times to rejoice in him always in all things, even when times are difficult, even when times are scary. We must rejoice. God wants us to praise him because it helps us to remember of all the good things, the things that we enjoy in life and of the times that God has come to rescue us. It is good to rejoice. It is good to give thanks in the midst of the trials, in the midst of those times where Satan is trying so hard to rob us of our joy and our interest in the things of life. And today... Palm Sunday is a special day that we can celebrate God's goodness. Many people thought that Jesus was that Messiah because of all the miracles that he had done. The people wanted salvation and success. They wanted the Messiah to march in the city and do some hard business with Rome. They wanted to be free from the Gentile oppression, even if it took force, if necessary. They wanted another exodus, one that would expel the Romans. In our Good Friday service, coming up on Friday at 6 p.m., you will hear what they got. By Friday morning, Jesus was bloodied. He was a man that was in Roman custody. He was rejected by many, and he was standing next to a criminal a criminal that the people wanted to release and have Jesus go to the cross. During my high school years, I always felt that I would do well in, I felt and had hopes that I would perhaps be in business one day, maybe teaching. But then the Lord started to get my attention. The Lord started to get my attention and his nudging grew over time to the point that I knew that my future was perhaps not heading in secular employment, but heading down a track where I may be doing something for the Lord and Christian work. So I went off to Bible school, which was uh, a considerable disadvantage for me as a new Christian, being thrown in with PKs, preachers' kids, MKs, ministers' kids, and DKs, which were the deacon's kids. And I went off to Bible school, and upon graduation, I went to work for a company called Costello Imports in Green Bay, Wisconsin. There I sold Porsche, Audi, Mercedes-Benz, and Volkswagens. I was a part-time youth pastor. And it was after several months of doing that that I came to the realization that God didn't send me to Green Bay to be the best car salesman in the city. And I'm not saying anything against car salesmen. I'm just saying it was a comfortable living. But God had something different. I, I obeyed God's voice and I resigned from my position with Costello Imports. And I put my future into the hands of the one who called me. I have never regretted that decision. Matter of fact, I've often wondered what my life would have been like if I didn't follow God's plan and obey his voice. 
I tell you this story today because I want you to relate to a portion of this scripture. As Jesus was preparing to make his entry into Jerusalem, a prophecy from Zechariah had to be in his mind. Jesus, therefore, asked two disciples to go to a nearby village where they would find tied a colt that no man had ridden. He asked the two disciples to untie that colt and bring it to him with these words found in Matthew 21.3. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. If anyone asks you why you were doing this, Mark says, tell him the Lord needs it. The cult became a symbol of Palm Sunday story and became part of the fulfillment of the prophecy that we find here by Zechariah, which said in Zechariah 9.9, I remind you again of this prophecy. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt the foal of a donkey. The Lord had need of it, the scripture says. And thankfully, the people released the animals to the disciples. Thus began Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Today, on this Palm Sunday, what is Jesus asking from you? I told you a story of what he asked for me, from me. But what is he asking from you today? What does he need from you? It's easy for us to walk away from a service like this and anticipate what's coming this week. Most everybody in this room knows the rest of the story. They know the great story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's easy that we, if we had palms, we could take them and we could put them on the back shelf of our car, you could make a wallet out of them, or you could creatively make a cross out of them. But this story today is more than just palms in a cupboard street. It's more than Christ just entering into that city of Jerusalem, and then we forget about it. The thing is, what is God asking from you? Is he asking you to fulfill some part of his great plan in this broken world in this COVID age that we're living in? Is God asking you to take the gifts that he's given you, the special talents, your time, your career, maybe part of your finances? Does he need your knowledge? Does he need your wisdom to serve in an area of ministry, your experiences? Whatever he needs, as he speaks to you, do not hold back. Follow his plan. Release yourself freely, just like the village folks released the colt. The Lord needs it, and it was released. He will do amazing things through you as you offer yourself to him. The other day, I was going through some books. And as I was going through some books in my library, I came across a large coffee table book. The coffee table book was somewhat attractive, and it's a 
book that the late Frank Reynolds gave me. And what it was, it was a book on the history of Teen Challenge. And with beautiful pictures and the story and the great celebration that was taking place that year for Teen Challenge. As I thumbed through it real quickly, not only did I think about Frank Reynolds, but I thought about a book that was given to me when I was in high school. About the time that I accepted Christ as my savior. It was a book that was written by a gentleman by the name of Dave Wilkerson. The Cross and the Switchblade was the title of it. And Dave Wilkerson shares in that book a story about a conviction from God that he had to deal with. He took a time in his life and made the decision that in the evening, his time of relaxation around the house would become a time of concentrating upon God and praising God and praying and looking to the Lord. And it was during that time as he was honoring God and as he was committing his life in an intense way, one night God spoke to him about ministering to street gangs. The rest is history. And that was a moment that the worldwide ministry of Teen Challenge was birthed. It happened because Dave Wilkerson responded to what God needed from him. And as I looked at that coffee table book and saw all that had taken place up to that point, as I say, the rest is history. Jesus came to the people and he comes to you and I, not necessarily for what we want, but for what we need. The saving power of Christ. You see, the people wanted someone to rise up and give them power. And Jesus gave up his power so that they could rise up over sin and death. And that's what we have today. Jesus Christ exchanged his perfect life for their broken lives. He took the punishment of sin off their souls and gave them eternal salvation. They needed that gift more than anything else in this world. And so do we today. Today, cherish the Savior and what he has given and what he continues to give to you and I. You and I need him above all in life anything else. We need him for the hope of the future. We need Jesus Christ today because he is endless joy for each one of us in future. We need him for the endless joy in future, but also we need him for the days ahead when it's difficult to rejoice, when it's difficult to say Hosanna, when it's difficult to shout out his name. We need him. When Jesus Christ returns again, he will come as the King of Kings. When he returns again, he will come as the Lord of Lords and he will rule and he will reign. I pray you have excitement in your heart. As I said in my opening comments, it seems like the longer you're away from someone, the more excited that you get. And I pray that every day is a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you anticipate that blessed hope. When Jesus Christ comes, Jesus will come in judgment to judge the earth. 
and all who live therein. And on that day, no one will want to stand before the King of Kings, before Jesus on that day, unless they are covered by the blood of the Lamb. You can make that decision today. You can invite Jesus Christ into your heart. You can invite Christ into your life on this day. And the Lord is here to hear the cry of your heart. Church, if we simply try to work out our way out of this crisis that we're in in our world today, if we think that we can work it out with our own cleverness, if we think that we can work it out with our own wisdom and our own power, we will have failed to learn the lessons of this scripture. The path to salvation is not one of self-assertion or relying on our own greatness, but instead it's through acknowledging absolute dependency upon God in our personal lives, in our corporate worship lives, and in our lives in this world. The Palm Sunday road of humility and obedience is ultimately the only way out of the crisis caused by a pandemic that has brought the world to its knees. This story is as relevant as the newspaper in your driveway. It is for us today. What is God in need of? What is he asking you to do? We're going to sing a song, praising the Lord, we sing hallelujah. Praising the Lord. Usually we sing this by singing, waving our palms, we sing hallelujah. So our palms this Sunday may be the palms of our hands. That we say, Hosanna, praising you, hallelujah. God, we give you the glory. Let's stand, let's sing it together. And may God speak to each one of our hearts today. Hallelujah.